Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Good seeing you. Uh, it's a privilege to be here to share God's word together um, before, before the Lord and, in the, and as a congregation, as brothers and sisters. So um, let's, let us turn to our scripture passage from 1 John chapter 4, verse 13 through 21. Uh, if you do have your Bibles open, if perhaps at home, uh, wherever, keep it open so that, uh, because I'm going to refer to the passage as we go. So, um, 1 John chapter 4, verse 13 through 21. This is the word of the Lord. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confessed that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and abides in him. By this is love. Love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We, have, we love because we, he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brothers, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has Seen cannot love whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray for a brief moment. Dear Lord, we turn to your word uh, in this chaotic time of our life. We turn to you because your word is wisdom and truth. Now, would you open our hearts to hear it and Lord, that our hearts will be stirred up for you all the more, that we may live for you and we may praise you and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, uh, when, when I baptize someone, uh, there are two things that I do to confirm. Uh, first, I want to confirm the relationship that they have with the triune God. And then second, the assurance of their salvation. Uh, first part, uh, for the first part, I ask these questions. Do you believe in Jesus? Uh, as your Lord and Savior? And do you believe that God loves you and he is your Father in heaven? And do you believe that Holy Spirit dwells in you and gives you the power to live by the new desire um, according to God's will? And then the second part comes, and then uh, for the salvation, the assurance of salvation part, where I ask, do you believe that you will go to heaven if you were to die today? Now, most people would say yes, boldly and confidently and loudly, because if not, they won't be baptized. Um, there are times when they are filled with confidence and, uh, in their baptism, and after a while, um, you know, our assurance kind of for some, for some reason seems to wane, and then leads you to not be able to say that if they were to die today, they would go to heaven. So instead of thinking subjectively, about salvation, uh, is there an objective way to think about this salvation? Um, and in that, today's passage says yes. John tells us that we can know that we are saved. Verse 13 uh, from today's passage says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because we, he has given us his spirit. So how do we know if God is in us and we us in him? By 
by the Holy by receiving the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not a matter of opinion or thoughts, thinking that oh, I I can I I go to heaven uh, because I believe whatever I think I believe. But rather, it's about whether you have received the Holy Spirit or not. Now the question arises: Then how do you know if you have really received the Holy Spirit or not? Well. So we're going to think about these, these questions and how do we know that we can be assured of our salvation? And we're going to talk about three things. First, that you must first confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Second, that you love God. And the third, that you love your, your brothers and sisters and your neighbors. And by these things, you know that the Holy Spirit is within you and that you, are, you, are, you, are, you have assurance of salvation. First, the first proof that, that we are in God uh, is by confessing that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, verse 15 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Who do you think now Jesus is? Some say he's a hero. Some say he's a saint. Some say he's a revolutionist. Who do you say that Jesus is? Well, we confess that Jesus is the Son of God who resolved the problem of our sins. However, uh, let us think objectively here. Uh, calling Jesus as a hero, saint, a revolutionist probably is easier to say and to believe. To believe that this carpenter's son, car carpenter's son uh, 2,000 years ago in a Palestinian region, that he is a son of God, it's a difficult thing to confess. It's maybe, um, for some, unnatural to confess. But then why do we believe, that this, believe in this confession? How do we believe in this confession? Without Holy Spirit, you can't confess it. Therefore, the fact that you, you confess and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God means that you have received the Holy Spirit and God dwells in you. But still, uh, we're not blindly believing that Jesus is the Son of God. There is a reason, and there are proof for it. Proofs for it. Uh, what then is it? Well, one of them is the apostles, the confessions of apostles. They were called by Jesus, and they lived with him for three years, and they were taught by him. They have seen the signs and wonders, and what, whatever that Jesus formed, they have seen it. And then they um, met the, the resurrected Christ. And when they first, at first, they fled when Jesus died, but their lives were changed after seeing him. On that very, very confessions, on that proof that we confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And another thing to see is to, by looking at the Old Testament. The Old Testament has the prophecies of the coming Christ. And then, the fact that Jesus has fulfilled all the prophecies of the coming Christ and defeated death and resurrected are the historic proofs because no one could have found the body of Jesus. Based on all these things that has, has been fulfilled and have seen and heard these confessions that we can confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Now we have these testimonies and yet people don't believe. So let's th think about a couple of things of a couple of reasons why. First, people don't want to believe it. Once you confess that Jesus is Son of God, now then you have burden to receive Him as your Lord. 
Receiving Jesus as your Lord is a blessing and a freedom. But people considered it as burdensome, restrictive, and shackling. This is why they refuse him. Um, there, is, there are so many, it, 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 there, there is so much burden for them because personally, if you think about it, if you're honest yourself, right, you want to live however you want to live. You want to have control over your life. You want to be your own master. But once you receive Jesus as your Lord, you have given up that control. Second reason might be that the evil spirit is working against it. Deceitful and evil spirit keeps you from seeing and hearing. And whenever I share the gospel with some people, I find it odd that some some smart and very um, discerning and some wise people uh, and they who make the uh, objective, you know, decision, sound decision, seems to not believe in Jesus. And it almost feels like when you share that with them, someone's covering their eyes and their ears so they will not believe it. Then uh, they make excuses, as, like a, as a child would make excuses, to deny the proofs of Jesus being the Son of God. But then, but then they usually make the sound decisions. So I don't know why, but it is, it is a work of the evil spirit. Therefore, you and I confess that Jesus is the Son of God and one who receives the Holy Spirit. And God lives in us and we are in him. Amen? Second, the proof, the proof that Jesus, not Jesus, God lives in us and us in God is that, that we love God. Uh, read verse, let's read verse Uh, 16 it says so we have come to know and believe that the love that god has for us god is love and whoever abides in love abides in god and god abides in him when you can see that you love god um, you know that you have received the holy spirit because uh, without without holy spirit um you know you can't really know uh, that you are god is in you and us in him so let me ask this question what is man's natural feel toward god what would it be what should it be god is a god of universe who has who has a mighty power who who can see your heart read your mind and you you read your thoughts and you see what's going on in your heart and one day you will have to stand before him on a judgment day well natural response would be fear. You'll be scared to stand before a judge, even in our world, and, or any, anyone who's authoritative. Now, that fact that you stand before him, but that you, you will be, you'll be scared. But how could you love someone whom you fear? It's a very unnatural thing. And that is why, without the help of the Holy Spirit, you cannot love God. So seeing that you love God tells us that he lives in you. Then there are, there's another question that arises. How do you know if I love God or not? How do you know if I love God or not? If there are times when you pray and sing unto the Lord, and then that's when you are filled with the Spirit and you're emotionally charged, uh, knowing, seeing God's word as you read, and you confess that, God, I love you. However, sometimes those are scarce moments. It doesn't happen as often as we would like. So most of the times we are 
we're hustling, bustling, and doing things that we have to do throughout the day, and sometimes we don't even think about God. So does that mean that you, that you are in love with God when you're only fired up for God, and when you're not fired up for God, then you're not in love with God? John does not say so. Whether you love God or not is not dependent on your, the intensity of your emotions or your feelings, but by seeing your confidence before God. In other words, if you do not fear God, when, whom you should fear, then it is a proof that you love God because love and fear cannot coexist. Love and respect could coexist, but love and fear cannot. So our response toward God should be fear, but that we do not fear him means that there is something that, is, that, that overcomes that fear. What is it? It is love. Parents know this uh, for sure. Um, they know this very well. When, if a child, your child, has, is drowning in the water, what will parents do who do not know how to swim? What would they do? They will jump into the water obviously, and they will, they will take courage to go jump in. Where does that courage come from? I'm sure there is a fear of death in the parents' mind of the parents, but they still jump in because they love their children. Their love for their child is greater than the fear. So parents overcome the fear and jump in. This is why we, when, when we do not fear God, whom we are to fear, we know that we love him. John, uh, today's passage, verse 18 tells us this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. God is so powerful and he sees everything that is going on in our hearts, in our minds. And he could, he could send us to heaven or hell. And he is the He's the object of fear. But what does it mean that we do not fear him? It means that we love him. Why do we not fear him? Because when Jesus Christ had died on the cross for us, and, then, and as you believe that he has taken your sins upon the cross as he died on the cross, when he died, the wrath that he has for us because of our sin, has been fully satisfied. Fully satisfied that when God sees us, he no longer sees us with wrath, but he sees us with love. The love of Christ. That's the only thing that's remained. So having no fear before God and being comfortable, confident coming before him means that we love him, love God. It means the Holy Spirit lives in us, it means that you are the people of God. Amen? Maybe among us, uh, some might question, I believe that I'm saved, but rather than being feeling confident, comfortable with God, I still feel a sense of fear uh, before God. Does that mean that I'm not part of God's people? If you, I mean, if you feel that way, first, let's turn, look at John, 1 John chapter, first, uh, chapter 4, verse 18. It tells us that the love has not yet been perfected. What does it mean that it's not perfected? Simply stated, what it means is, it means that you do not know God well, that you are fearful of him. When you receive Jesus into your heart, 
you don't receive him because you have known him so well. But you just still decide that, that you, would, you would believe and you will follow him. So you pray. This is what you usually pray. I don't really know you, God. Um, and so please send your Holy Spirit so that I could come to know you and that I will become the person that, I, that you desire me to be. And that says when you accept and receive Jesus in your life. But that doesn't mean that you st- still know him well yet. Sometimes you see some people attending church 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and yet they do not know. They don't know God, but they have their own ideas about God. So if they, you know, if they create their own image of God, um, then wouldn't they be, fear, be fearing God? Because um, you have wrong image of God, and you're scared, you're uncomfortable And it's not fun living in faith because you're scared that God will punish you for what you have not done. And you'll be living in anxiety and guilt and fear. But if you have any fear about God, there's no way, uh, except there's no other way for you to um, love God or come to know God, except that you join Bible study group. Because where else does it tell God? about God the best, the Bible. So go to Bible study, maybe, perhaps. When you learn about God, you fear, uh, your fear will disappear, and you will be more confident and, fear and, and comfortable before God. God is not far away, and you will realize that he is near. You, and God accepts you despite your flaws and weaknesses. And when you seek God for help, God is a God of help. When you fail and do wrong, he quickly, he forgives quickly and remembers no more. As you learn more about this God, you will fall in love with him more and more. So brothers and sisters, your love for God is the proof that he lives in you. What then is the third proof? Um, That God is in us and we're in him. It is, brothers and sisters, that you love your brothers and sisters and your neighbors. Loving brothers and sisters is a natural result of loving God. Why does does loving God translate into loving our brothers and sisters and our neighbors? Let me explain. Where does our love for God start from? Verse 19 tells us that we love because he first loved us. So why do we then, once again, uh, why do we love one another? Because God first loved us. God first drew near to us as Christ came in this world, and he forgave our sins and declared us righteous. He also accepted us as we are. And as we realize that we're we're loved, now we can love God. Then when we come to know God a little more deeper, then we come to realize that we're inadequate of people. And, and realize, you come to realize that also my neighbors are inadequate people. But God still loves them just as the same as he loves me. And then you realize that, that, you, that God loves me who is a prideful person. But then you realize that God loves the prideful people just the same. 
Do you realize that God loves me who is stubborn and impatient? And you realize that God loves those who I find to be stubborn and impatient. Just the same. And then you realize, you get to realize that God loves me as he loves my neighbor. So if I break my brother or sister's heart, then I break God's heart. If I please the hearts of my brothers and sisters, I please God's heart. Parents know this really well. Uh, they know this already. Uh, some, some people say, uh, when they say something kind to their children, you know, rather than the parents themselves receiving a, a compliment or kind words from other people, they're more pleased that their children have received a kind words from other people. When someone says uh, unkind things to your children, then, then it breaks their heart. Why? Why is that so? Because you love your children. When, when people love a person that you love, then you are happy. When people love the per- hate the person that you love, it, it displeases you and it breaks your heart. Our Father in heaven feels the same way. God who loves you and loves me loves our brothers and sisters and our neighbors. If you listen in unto, unto the pains and sufferings of our brothers and sisters, it's like listening unto God's heartache. Um, Matthew chapter 25 reveals about the heart of God uh, who, in, the, in this parable very well. Um, king gathers the people and divides them into two and on the judgment day. And to the person on the right, he says, you have given me the food and when I was hungry and, thir- and drink when I was thirsty and visited me when I was in jail. And then the person on the right says, Lord, when did I give you food and give you drink when you're thirsty and visit you when you're in jail? Um, but, and this is what, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, 25, verse 40 on the slide. Um, the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And the person said to, on the left said, Lord, when did we not give you the food when you're hungry? And when did we not give you, you know, drink when you're thirsty and not visit you when you're in jail? See, what they're trying to say is that if you were in that position, if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, we would have given it to you. If you were in jail, we will take the priority of our time to go visit you. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 25, verse 45. He says, Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Why is this so? It is because God is love. God loves even the least of the people, so not to care for them is like not loving God. Brothers and sisters, loving our neighbors is not a Christian duty. It is not looking about good about looking good before God about yourself. But we love God and that is why we love our neighbors whom God loves. When we listen onto someone's pain and suffering, God's pain and suffering is relieved. When we 
please our neighbors. It pleases God. And that's why we love our neighbor. If you love God, how could you hate those whom God loves? If that person is hurt by you, then God's heart is broken. How could you love those around us when God is so pleased as we love these people around us? So 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 to 21 concludes like this. It says, if anyone says, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Loving someone whom I could not love is a sign that you love God. If you love God, it is a sign that Holy Spirit dwells in you. The fact that Holy Spirit is at work within me, in you, means that God is living within your heart. So now, maybe among you, uh, maybe some of you might think, does that mean that I'm not saved? Answer might be yes, but also perhaps that is that the love is not perfected. John talks about uh, being perfected in love in many places and love is perfected when it is translated into action. When love is still in your heart and your mind and, and in your feelings and thoughts, then it's not yet complete. It's just here. It's in, our, in ourselves, within us. But when it's moved into action, then love is completed. If you want to confirm whether you are a person of God, then love your neighbor. But why is, it, why is love so difficult? And how could we love one another? Uh, first, I want, uh, first you know, I want to say that I hope you start off with the small things. When we look at, um, when we think about loving others, uh, we think about how we, uh, we have to sell everything. All that we have, all the possessions, so that we could relieve the, the help, uh, help the poor and so forth. But let's look at what Jesus' response was in, verse, in chapter, uh, Matthew 25, verse 40. So he says, if someone is hungry, give him something to eat. If you're thirsty, give him a drink. Start from small things. And some might say, well, well, even though I want to love others, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough, I don't have health. So I can't do much. And I just don't, I can't do much. But don't say those words. Because if you don't have anything, you could at least say the warm, kind words to others. You could love them in your prayers. These small things could lead you to start loving others. Second, in this similar vein, um, focus on the needs of others. The reason why we cannot love others is because we focus on ourselves uh, I focus on my problem, my pain, my suffering, my loneliness, etc. Mine, 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 mine. To focus on ourselves. If you want to love someone, you must turn your gaze onto others. Are you lonely? Well, who on this earth is not lonely? Well, even the married couple confess that they're lonely. If, you're, if you have problems in your life, who does not have any problems? Are you heartbroken? 
who has not been heartbroken by this sinful world. There are many who have been hurt much more than us. So do keep saying, do not keep saying that that you're lonely, but maybe go to that lonely person and encourage him. If you're heartbroken and having been suffering, then go to someone who might be hurting more deeply than you. If you're going through problems, and still help those someone who, whom you can help so that their problems could be resolved. So look outwardly. That's how you practice love. If you, as you live like this, you will be certain that God lives in you because God is love and God, He dwells in love. So dear Valley brothers and sisters, do not seek after the emotions to confirm your salvation. But see if you have confessed Jesus as your as, as son of God. And if you have confessed it, then now you're saved. And believe that God lives in you and he in you, uh, us in him. And know that God is someone whom, who's not far away, but he's near. So, and he's not someone to be fearful. But when, you, when the fear recedes, and feel, feel at ease with God, then, then know that you are a person of God, and that you love God. And turn your sight outwardly unto others and feel your needs of your brothers and sisters and start from the small things as you love them. And, and through these, I hope you find assurance of God that he lives in you and you in him. Let's take a moment to pray. Uh, at this time, uh, as what God has given, the thoughts and the hearts that God has given you as, as you are meditating on God's word, um, would you take a moment to not only meditate, but also confess unto him what he has revealed to you this time. And then I'm going to pray, close at the end. Take a moment, like a, about a, uh, 30 to a minute, 30 seconds to a minute. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word that is life-giving, that is, and that you have blanketed us with your love, that we may come to know you and come to you confidently. We ask, O oh Lord, that in all the confessions and all the commitments that's been made, as we respond to you, to your word, will you use us and will you encourage us to move faithfully towards you as we and move faithfully toward others that they also come to experience the love of your son Jesus Christ will you also remind us that you are loving 
Father who desire us to move toward, not just toward you, but also to others. Thank you for your word, and would you, uh, would you, your spirit be filled in us and remind us that you are your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.